A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. The next day, John was by the Jordan again with two of his disciples. Seeing Jesus walk by, John said, Look, there's the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what John had said and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned around and noticed the disciples following, he asked them, What are you looking for? They replied, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come and see, Jesus answered. So they went to see where he was staying, and they spent the rest of the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. One of the two who had followed Jesus after hearing John was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. The first thing Andrew did was to find Simon Peter and say, We have found the Messiah, the Anointed One. Andrew brought Simon to Jesus, who looked hard at him and said, You are Simon, begot of Jonah. I will call you Peter, meaning rock. The Gospel of Jesus Christ according to John. Do you know the poet Maya Angelou? Yes. She's written about an epiphany in her life. She says, one day, the teacher, Frederick Wilkerson, asked me to read to him. I was 24, very erudite, very worldly. He asked that I read from Lessons in Truth, a section which ended with these words, God loves me. I read the piece and closed the book, and the teacher said, read it again. I pointedly opened the book and sarcastically read, God loves me. He said again. After about the seventh repetition, I began to sense that there might be truth in the statement, that there was the possibility that God really did love me, me and Jemilu. Maya Angelou. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maya Angelou began to cry at the grandness of it all. I knew that if God loved me, I could do wonderful things. I could try great things, learn anything, achieve anything. For what could stand against me with God? Since one person, any person, with God constitutes a majority. For Angelou, I mean, for Maya Angelou, being known and loved by God created a sense of mission. She was motivated to do any wonderful thing in her life that she could imagine. She was ready to jump feet first into her life, God by her side. Don't we get that same sense of call and mission from hearing Samuel's response to his call from God? He followed Eli's mentoring and learned to hear God's voice. Samuel prophesied, and as he grew up, none of his words were wasted. Everyone knew he was a trustworthy prophet of God. In the calling of Maya the poet, or Samuel the prophet, we see that there is not only call, but also response. For a relationship to take hold of, course, there must be both. In fact, 
Our relationship with anyone, even the divine mystery, is a two-way process of discovery. You are searching, and God is simultaneously looking for you. The reference I'm about to give to skeet shooting, which is a harmless sport, I know may sensitize some people here who don't like to think about or imagine guns. They can be used violently. So please do not let this metaphor trigger you. This story instead, I hope, will make a point. Here's the visual. A young man <clears throat> went with his uncle to experience clay pigeon shooting for the first time. The young man said, I hadn't even seen the sport before, let alone done it. Little discs of clay are propelled from a machine. The shooter stands in various positions, trying to hit the discs as they fly past at different angles and trajectories. I wasn't very good at it, but it was fun and challenging. He continues, the last clay pigeon that I had to shoot was coming almost directly at me. It swerved slightly in flight, and all I remember is pulling the trigger and seeing the clay shatter all around me. My uncle came over to me. Good thing you got that one, he said, or it would have gotten you. Up to that moment, I hadn't thought of the sport as a two-way affair. A relationship with God is definitely also a two-way affair. Samuel, the prophet, was so young that while he was sleeping, he would have missed the movement of God toward him, had it not been for the mentoring of Eli, the seasoned priest. God called three times, and with the third invitation, Eli finally got it. Three times the charm. Are you young or seasoned in your listening to God. I know some people get their calls early and even directly from God. For instance, a pastor I knew in Northeastern Ohio just died at the age of 97. But he told me that when he was just four years old, he went directly from his house to the Lutheran church across the street one Sunday morning, and he kept going every week after that without his parents, and this continued for a lifetime. While my friend, Pastor Bowen, had a direct invitation from God at four years old, many of us probably have had an invitation to meet God that was mediated through another person. Just like getting invited to a wedding as another person's plus one guest, we are asked to tag along and meet God. Maybe it's to come to church, to a workshop, to a social justice event or such. It happens often in the Bible like this. There's a main character in the story who brings along another person to encounter God. Someone unnamed tags along. This morning it was Andrew and his plus one, the other disciple. They found Jesus. I think the purpose of this literary device is to invite you, each and every one of you, to enter the story yourself, to speak your own name into the discovery of God. 
if you were open to meeting God afresh at this moment, you probably want to communicate something, either using words or simply being in the divine presence as we're together. I hope that this morning you will find an openness to God who is searching for you. Maybe in the past you might have faltered in your response, not to worry. Even if we flunk in our relationship, we get to keep starting over. Sometimes we will fake it till we make it, reaching out even if we don't get a response. Receiving a response is not the goal of prayer. The goal of reaching out to God is to become more ourselves, more alive to God, to the world, to the community around us. Eugene Peterson put it this way, through prayer and relationship, we come to find our lives sharpened, targeted, concentrated, in such ways that we become more ourselves, more human, not less. This self-awareness is not selfish attention. You're not being self-absorbed in this pursuit to become more yourself because you're walking with God. This prayer and relationship with the divine will cause you to flourish inwardly and outwardly. Speaking, writing, singing, doing everyday tasks, all these can be times of prayer. If you think you might like to spend some time journaling, I recommend looking into the experience of the Trappist monk, Thomas Merton. This was written about him. Writing journals were his means to think, to live, and even to pray. Writing journals were his way to gain access to a center in himself. Call it his soul or what he called it, the virgin point, where he caught momentary glimpses of his widest dimensions in his deepest self with God. He wrote journals to stay awake and to activate the life that he was being given in all its particulars. Another kind of writing where we become letters or Gospels was described in the excerpt from the Sacrament of the Present Moment, read by Debbie. It says, the Holy Spirit writes living Gospels. We are the pages. Our surrender and action are the ink. The record of every passing moment is a sacred scripture. How can it be that a moment is a sacred scripture? My favorite preacher is Barbara Brown Taylor. She teaches that no physical act is too earthbound or too humble to become a path to the divine. Simple acts like walking, working, or even getting lost are ways to practice God's presence by lifting up our awareness, ourselves, to the divine. We can discover the divine in the small things we do and see, and take time to attend to the sights, the sounds, and the smells around us. Taylor says, 
God loves flesh and blood, no matter, what, no matter what kind of shape it's in. Your body is your soul's address. So in closing, I'll leave you with some questions. Are you ready to jump feet first into your life? By attending to the ordinary moments in your life, you're becoming more yourself, more alive to God, more responsible and responsive to the world around you. Will you do this in verbal and nonverbal prayer, perhaps by writing in a journal, or by writing the pages of a living gospel with the actions of your life? These are the scriptures that the Holy Spirit uses to reach you and to reach others through you. Will you accept this morning's invitation to write your name into the gospel as Andrew's plus one? May we all become more attentive to God and more alive. May it be so. I invite you to share your thoughts.